Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome back to our final week of our current series called Hot Mess. And if you're listening via podcast, thanks for joining. And we hope that this message will help you take your next step closer to Christ. Now, I hope everybody's been able to join us for the past three weeks. But if this is your first week in this series, I want to let you know, you picked a great one to be a part of this series. It's going to be a nice message because it's very personal that if we're to be honest, and I don't care if you've been a Christian for 90 years, there have been situations or times in your life where your faith in God at a private level, if you're honest, was a hot mess. You felt distant. You couldn't tell whether he left or you left, but you knew there was distance between the two of you. And we're going to look at some practicals that speak to our faith when we feel like it's a hot mess and it's chaotic and somewhat confusing. So I ask the question, have you ever been in a position where your faith was just in a hot mess? I mean, you love God. I mean, you love the Word of God. You love fellowship and worship. But to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God, it just doesn't feel right. Or maybe you're here today and currently you're exploring the whole Jesus thing for the very first time. You're in the right place. Or maybe for others, you've been a follower of Christ for a long, long time. But you've also encountered seasons where you feel as though if the intimacy with God is so much more harder to get to in different seasons of life than it was way back when. I remember when I was uh, really committing my life to the Lord, I would say when I was 17, I just was on fire for God. I I, I wanted the, the closet experience, you know, that, you know, pray in your closet, that I literally would get a flashlight, a Bible, and get in my closet and, and read my word and pray. I just couldn't stop getting enough of God. When I worked at Price Club, we call it Costco today, um, back in the day, I couldn't wait for my break so I could go in the bathroom, get in the stall, and pull up my little Bible in my back pocket. And I would read. And then life started happening. I got into ministry. And before long, all of a sudden, I felt a separation. But I went to church every Sunday. I was actively doing ministry. But I felt the hot mess. And if I'm the only one here who feels that way, then this message is for me and I'll take it. But I got a feeling I'm not the only one who's ever experienced that. So we're going to cover a few very practical steps we can all take when we encounter and hit these kind of points in our faith journey. 
My hope is that these practical steps will help you discover your personal relationship for God for maybe the very first time. And for those who've been distant, that you can encounter a very thriving relationship with the Lord. Well, Lord, I just pray, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart, Lord, that's willing to be honest with ourselves and with you. We just pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we feel that our faith at times can just be a hot mess, meaning it's out of control, that it's chaotic, that it's disconnected, we must ask ourselves these questions. What has been my what in my life? And I'll explain that in a second. Here's the other question. And what has been my why? The what that I have been doing and the why that I'm doing it. They're not the same. So these two curious questions will reveal some key things about our current season, if we're in a hot mess, and about the posture of our heart. So I really want us to start off with, let's not live according to the religious to-do list. You know, read my Bible, pray, you know, brush my teeth, read the newspaper, you know, we just throw these activities of discipleship into a to-do list. I go to church. And the Bible makes it clear that there is a what we must be spending our time on doing. It's very important. But it also is imperative to the personal reason to why you're doing what you're doing. The motive matters. In Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, that's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Many scholars look at that, that sermon as the very best sermon ever preached, not only by Jesus, but period. And Jesus covers a lot of important material in this, in this sermon. He clears up some really bad, misguided, misconceptual ideas that were running around during that time. And I want us to look at one thing in particular that Jesus focuses on. When you go into Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 5 and 6 with me. Ready? Let's read this out loud together. Begin. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. You may see that word hypocrite and wonder, who is Jesus talking about? Was he talking about the people he was speaking to? Most scholars believe, and so do I, he was talking about the Pharisees, the Sadducees. 
See, these were the guys who would get around on the street corner, put up their milk carton crate, get up there, and they would pray out loud so everybody could see them. Look at me. I am holier than thou. Come here, let me give you the fivefold ministry. Bam, right? <laughs> but that's what they were doing. See, they epitomized the word hypocrite. It wasn't what they were doing that was wrong. They were praying. It was why they were doing it that was wrong. Praying is great. But if I pray so that you could see me, if I go to church so that you could see me, it's wrong. It's wrong. We have to be careful. It's not just the what, it's the why. So the question is for me, is for you. Have we been doing all the right things with all the wrong motives in our heart? Maybe it looks like coming in church just so you can check off the box on the to-do list of being a Christian. See, when you live that kind of a lifestyle, it's draining. When I started becoming a you know, boyfriend and girlfriend with my best friend, my lover, my wife, Chris, 36 years. When I had an opportunity to get on the phone and talk with her, I'd be on that phone, you know, with that 50-foot cord, you know, I don't know, was, was it avocado green or, or lemon color, right? And I would get that thing, and I'd stretch it into the laundry room and close the door and all that kind of stuff. I, and I, I'd be sitting on a basket of laundry for a couple hours, incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't care. I was talking to Chris. Why? Because my heart was for her. It didn't bother me. See, what's the motivation behind what you're doing? I couldn't wait to do that. So if I come to God to pray, if I come to church with the right heart and attitude, I don't care. I don't get exhausted from it. It's a joy. You see that? When your heart's right, it's a joy to do the things about discipleship in the kingdom because it's just like being in a relationship with your best friend or your lover. You just enjoy being with them as you are being with the Lord. If your faith is a hot mess, is it a partly due not to doing and saying all the right things, but What's kind of going on in here? Are you offended? Are you angry at God? Do you have disappointments you can't get over? Do you have regrets? Those things will keep you from wanting to spend time with God. But maybe for you, it's not about readdressing the why you do what you do, because you're doing what needs to be done, and you're doing why it needs to be done with all the right reasons. You figured out 
Lord, my heart needs to be correct with you. But maybe for you, it has to do with how you approach the reading of God's word. It's not just a history book. It's not just a fairy tale. This is life. It's real. It's God's love letter written to you. How do you approach it? How are you approaching the word of God? Do you want there to be transformation from when you read it? The Bible is without doubt God's message. The message of the gospel. It seems clear throughout all the scriptures you find. Here's the life, here's the death, and here's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You find that part, not only in the New Testament, you find it also even in the Old Testament. And when we sit down with the Bible... We learn something from it. But the truth is, God doesn't want you to just, just to learn some facts. You could go to the encyclopedia for that. This is not an encyclopedia. If all you're doing is reading the Word, and it's not transforming you, you're reading it for intellectual purposes only. And your why and how you read the word is wrong. It's our responsibility that when we come to the word of God, that we allow the word of God to sink down into our soul. That it changes you. It changes your core values. That this becomes the center of my life and not me. I love it when the Bible lines up with how I think. Doesn't that just sound wrong? I mean, Proverbs tells us, be careful. Don't listen to your heart because it's wretched. It will lie to you. Haven't you gone back in life and go, man, what was I thinking when I did that? It seemed so smart and brilliant at the time. And now it's the most idiotic thing I've ever done. My heart lies to me. But the heart of God will never lie to you. I love what, what Paul speaks about this idea of transformation. You go to Colossians 3.16. It says, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Paul is saying, be passionate when you read the word of God. He's saying, a true, deep heart. And this should be an emotional encounter when you spend time with God, when you're having devotions, when you're praying. It should change you. Paul calls this all. To say, listen, this book should saturate each and every part of your life. The place of your vocation, your business, those with your, your spouse and with your children and grandchildren, and all of the friends and community. It should impact everything. Everything. 
I don't become a Christian every time I show up to church on Sunday. And then the other six days of the week, I just live like hell. For my father of hell. Doesn't that sound bizarre? How about if I live like heaven? Like God, the king of kings, is ruling and reigning my life all seven days of the week. That's what Paul's saying. The only way for that to happen is if we purpose with intentionality to say, God, how will this change me because of what I just read today? That's why we do the Life Journal. That's why we do SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. God, how will this change me for what I just read? today. Look what James says in James chapter 1 verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. Oh, I love this next part. He doesn't apologize for this. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only, say it with me, fooling yourselves. Wow. There's a huge difference between having knowledge of God and knowing God at a personal level, isn't there? The first thing is just being intellectual. I remember having a volunteer work for me when I was a children's pastor, you know, back when dinosaurs were around. And this guy, um, he had third graders, and we had a couple volunteers in there. And for whatever reason, he was doing the Moses story, and he starts bringing up the whole concept of abortion and the killing of the babies. And we're, my other volunteer, like, what are you doing? They're eight years old. So I, I, I pulled the guy aside, and afterwards, the buddy, you know, Matt came up to me and said, this is what's going on. I said, get, get Pete right now. I want to meet you guys in that room. Right now, three minutes, go. And he went and got him, and I pulled him aside, and I had a person there. I said, I just want to let you know that I'm officially firing you from being a volunteer. He looked at me kind of strange. I go, what? do you not understand that you just stole from every single family represented in your classroom? It was their right, not their privilege, their right to bring up that issue and to disclose it the way, the way they wanted to to their own children. You didn't have that right. He looked at me and goes, well, I didn't. I go, stop. It's been more than once we've had these little encounters. The more you would speak with Pete, the more you would understand Pete, he was so intellectual. He knew all the different things about scriptures and everything else. But he had no common sense. Because he had not encountered the Holy Spirit that would transform him. He thought he knew more than everybody else. Because he hadn't encountered God the Father as his Abba. As his dad. It was lacking. He was a historian, 
He wasn't a believer. You got to go more than just the history of the Bible. So there's a huge difference between the two. And sometimes people ask, well, I love God and I, I, I just want to be close to God, but and I've learned all these things from, from these last three weeks and everything, but can you help me? I, I feel like I just need something else, Pastor. And I would give you this. And I really want you to hear me on this one. Tell somebody your God story. You're a believer. You love God. You know God loves you. When was the last time you went right up to somebody and said, can I share something about you? We've been friends a long time. I want you to know how I got to become a believer in Christ. Can I tell you when I was 17 what happened to me? I encountered God at this Christian camp. When was the last time you told somebody your story? Your God story? Did you ever tell your kids how you met Christ? There's a... There's an incredible story to be told. There's three things that happen when you tell your story. Because you all have, if you believe in God, you have a redemptive story. Here's the three parts of that story. One, this is who I was before Jesus. Here's part two. I encountered Jesus. Here's part three. This is who I am today. And I'm nothing like him over there. Praise God. Do you know nobody can counter you and say, that's wrong. What do you mean it's wrong? It's a fact. This is me. This is me with Jesus. This is me now. You can't argue with their story. It's factual. And you have a story that God wants you to tell. Your story's valuable. Somebody needs to hear your story. I hated my story. I didn't want people to know that I was adopted. I just wanted to be normal. My mom and dad would always tell me, Oh, Marvin, you're so special. You mean like the special needs kids? I didn't like it. It hasn't been to these last few years that I realized God was using me in my story as it was going to be preparatory for me to do what he wanted me to do in the kingdom of God. And it included me being adopted. Why? Because somebody out there can relate to it. And look at the victorious ending that's coming about. He didn't leave me hanging. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I was so convinced that it was never going to happen that when Nikki came up to me to tell me, I think I found your dad, John Bouchard, like, what are you talking about? I, my mind could not even conceive that as a possibility. But God does things suddenly, suddenly, out of nowhere in the perfect time in his kingdom. Isn't God good? 
the concept of telling your story, it's not a new idea. Instead, it's something that the early church modeled, and they modeled for us just beautifully. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 46 and 47. Now, when you see the pronoun they, it's referring to the early church believers at this point in time. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, this segment in the scriptures comes just after Pentecost, the day of Pentecost happened. When the Holy Spirit powerfully came upon believers who were meeting together. In a season when we feel like we've lost intimacy with God and our faith is just a hot mess. We need to return to a community of of believers, some family, some friends. And gather together for all the right reasons and doing all the right things. And before you know it, you're all sharing the story. Your God's story. And something inside of you just ignites. So maybe your first step today is you need to text somebody. You need to call somebody. You need to send an email to somebody. You need to set up a time to go get some coffee with somebody. Have somebody over for popcorn or steaks, whatever works for you. And the next thing you know, allow it to naturally move where you can say, I I love you and I want you to know my story and I've never told you my God's story. Oh, something's going to change inside of you. Even if your faith is a hot mess right now, you start sharing your story, you're going to go from being like this to being like this. There's something incredible when you start sharing your story and you start seeing the hand of God here and the hand of God there and the hand of God here and the hand of God there. And you start to realize God hasn't left me. I've been listening to the deceiver, to the father of lies. You'll be encouraged. Now, as we get to a close here, in John chapter 25, I also enjoy, I I just really enjoy the guy in in this one little verse. And he's talking to the religious leaders. And this is one of those uh, most incredible stories in all of Scripture. Essentially, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. But when doing so, the guy who was born, Blind, who can now see, he's questioned, or shall we say, he's interrogated by the religious leaders. And they're confused. The religious leaders, they're confused. Because they're trying to to understand two things. If a miracle was performed by Jesus on the Sabbath, then he's a lawbreaker. And if he's a lawbreaker, how can he perform a miracle? They can't reconcile the two. And so they're, they're antagonizing this guy. They're going, wait a minute, he's just, and this guy's like getting overwhelmed by all these religious leaders attacking him with questions and questions and interrogating and interrogating. And then he just says, hey, 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 I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, 
but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. What'd he do? I know this. I was blind. I had an encounter with Jesus, and now I see. In a discussion, stop interrogating me. He can walk away. They couldn't argue with him. They couldn't throw any scriptures at him to use them against him. I was blind. Look what Jesus did. And now I see. Isn't that beautiful? Your story is important. Your story is important. Make sure you share it. You know, we've covered a lot of ground today. And I don't presume to know how you're feeling about your faith right now. But I can assure you that wherever you land and however you feel, God sees, God knows, and God loves you. We can often go through a long season where we feel that that God is distant or the truth is we feel distant from God. Or we just don't seem to find or have the motivation to engage with the Lord. We can feel that disconnect. For some reason we're confused and we're discouraged. And on some level this is, well, somewhat natural. And part of the ups and the downs and in life in general. But on the other hand, no one wants to feel that their faith in God is some kind of a hot mess. And so the good news is, your faith doesn't have to be a hot mess. It can be a place that's refreshing, a place of healing and of hope and joy. Which reminds me of something Jesus says in Matthew 11, starting at verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Does that sound like any of us in this room? You're tired, you're weary, you're worn, a heavy burden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke. The yoke is this big wooden apparatus that fits on top of the heads of the oxen to keep them with such a burden they stay in line. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy. It's light. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. If you are weary and burdened today, then may this passage we just read bring you hope. Jesus is gentle. He's lowly in heart. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So don't do anything. Don't let anything 
or any event keep you from being close to the Lord. If you have a regret, if you have guilt, you have shame that from your past, it is constantly poking at you and telling you, you can't, you won't, you shouldn't, you deserve all of the ugliness and darkness in your life. That ain't God. Because if God was to do that, He would be denying the blood of Jesus. And He's not going to deny His Son. So if you reach out for Jesus, you get to have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Remember, it's not just the what that we do. It's the reason behind it, the why that we're doing it. Lord, I come before you today and I pray for your people. Lord, I just pray that you just pour upon them that their story matters. That there are people close to them, friends, family, people in the community they interact with that would just love to hear their God's story their testimony. Lord, how you healed them one time. How how you did a miracle for their kids. How you saved them. How you met them at the altar. Or when they got baptized. God, these parts of their story are precious to you. And we want to know. You want people to know the story of the individual that says, Jesus is my king. God is my father. And here's how it happened. So Lord, I pray, bless your people to have the strength to share their story. This is how I was. This is what happened when I met Jesus. And this is how it impacts me today. We pray your will. We pray your way. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.